So Russ introduced this morning and said that I would be carrying on talking, um, going through the book of Mark. I'm actually not doing that, so uh, whoopsie. Um, but in between some of that looking at Mark, we've just been introducing uh, a few little bits here and there about looking at different spiritual practices, different things that we can build into our daily rhythm, our weekly rhythm, our regular rhythm um, as we kind of walk with Jesus. And they're regular things that keep us in the presence of God and that open us up to his love uh, and the changes that only he can bring within us. So this morning, I just want us to look at um, one of those practices, okay? Uh, but before I kind of start, I just want to ask a few questions. You know, are there areas in your life where you feel you get stuck time and time again? You know, bits of stuff about you I'm saying this as much to myself as I am to you. Bits of stuff about ourselves that just bug us, that we just wish we could shift. Uh, I mean, do you ever think, is this really it? You know, life as it is at the moment, how I'm experiencing it, is this it? Should there actually be more? The way that God designed me, is there more for me than what I'm currently experiencing? You know, maybe there are some situations or relationships where you just feel like, you know, will this ever be different? This thing that feels a bit stuck or a bit broken right now, could this ever be different? And if we follow Jesus, he talks about us experiencing life, life in all its fullness, which speaks of freedom, it speaks of hope. Um, it doesn't say that we won't experience anxiety or pain or the tough stuff, but he does speak about life and this sense of being alive and being in this living relationship with him. So the practice, the spiritual practice that I want to talk about this morning is solitude and silence. And by that, I just mean time alone, just you and God. First of all, what does that conjure up for you? Is it kind of logistically impossible in your kind of season of life? Is it daunting? Uh, is it something you might desperately want, but also might feel is quite scary? You know, if you're going to spend time alone with some, how you approach that time will, will directly um, depend on what you know of that person, what you think of them. So right at the start, I just want to say that the God that we come to loves us. Like he, he loves us more than we have ever, ever experienced. Um, that he is far greater, far more kind, far more faithful than anything we have experienced so far. And so there's no better person to spend time alone with. So this morning, just really quickly, three things. What is solitude and silence? Why would we choose to do that? And then how do we do it? Okay, so firstly, what is it? It is intentionally creating time and space where we give God our undivided attention, where we are just alone with him. And this is something you can do whether you don't even know Jesus yet, whether you don't even know if you want to choose to follow him, you can still do this. Whether you've just started to get to know him, whether you've been a Christian for decades, you can do this. Just spend time with him in silence. Um, I'm going to throw out a few um, quotes this morning from someone called Ruth Haley Barton. Uh, and if any of you are interested in kind of any of her stuff, just come and uh, find me later. But she says this, Solitude and silence are about showing up and letting God do the rest. They're not an end in themselves. 
They're merely a means through which we regularly make ourselves available to God for the intimacy of relationship, for the work of transformation that only God can accomplish. So in times of solitude and silence, it might just be for five minutes. You might think, I don't even know how to start doing this. Uh, Just five minutes out of your day. Like 24 hours in a day, five minutes with the God of the universe who loves you totally. Five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. No words, no agenda, just sitting in his presence. Ruth says this, it's in silence that we become more willing and able to give ourselves to God's loving initiative. I love that phrase, God's loving initiative, because it just reminds us again that anything that happens in that time and space is because God loves us and it's, it, it's all out of his love. You know, we are busy people, our minds, our bodies, our hearts are busy, busy, busy all the time. Um, you know, Everything we think is noisy, so the thought of entering into a time of silence might seem quite overwhelming or a bit challenging because it's so opposite to what we experience on a daily basis. Um, Silence is this place where we don't have to say anything. Um, If you just think about an image of maybe you've got a glass jar and you're kind of near a river and you scoop up some river water and all of it is a bit murky, but if you then keep the jar still enough for long enough, All the sediment in the jar just settles. It just settles down. And then there's kind of clarity. The water above it is clear. It's a picture of what happens to us and in us when we put ourselves in a place of solitude and silence, when we just sit in God's presence. The busyness of life, of our minds, the things that clutter our hearts, just settle. And it gives God this space to speak to us and we, we can sense his presence. So that's what it is. Why would we do it? Firstly, we do it because Jesus did it. I'm uh, just going to throw out a few verses, and you can look at these um, a little bit later if you want to. Uh, Mark 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. I'm talking five minutes start off. Jesus spent the whole night in solitude praying to God. Matthew 6, verse 6 to 7. Jesus said this. He said, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus had this rhythm of solitude and silence. He took himself off to be in his Father's presence. And then out of that time, he then went out into the community, but he was anchored in this relationship with his Father. And Jesus says, follow me. He says, do what I do. So that's a good reason to do it. (laughs) Jesus said, do what I do. Why else would you do it? What benefits does it bring? I mean, for me, um, there are lots of spiritual practices out there, and I have different things that I build into my kind of life, if you like, different seasons, have different kind of ones. But for me, solitude and silence has been... I would say the single most transformative practice that I have engaged in over the last three to four years. It's a place 
where I have known intimately the presence of God, where I have found comfort, healing, peace, where I've been able to hear his voice when at times before I've been like, ah, I can't hear you. Just doing that regularly every day um, has been transformative for me. I've become more self-aware of the stuff in me. um, And if I miss this time, I miss it. I desperately love being in the presence of God because it's there that I know that I am loved. It's there that I know that I am God's beloved. I always think that word beloved, there's something really intimate about that word. Like You might just say, yeah, I know Jesus loves me. I know God loves me. But actually, if you say, do you know what? It's in this place that I experience that I am your beloved. His voice becomes louder than all the other voices in my head that tell me would, that would tell me other things. It's a place where I feel anchored and settled down. And I don't, don't know about you, but you know, as we regather um, and kind of practice coming back again on a Sunday, um, I don't want this to be a place where we play at church. I never want this church to be some kind of you know, loosely kind of social club that's looking towards Jesus, but where somehow we just kind of bumble along. You know, we can come on a Sunday, we can be involved in a small group, we can give of our time and our money, we can serve, we can do all these things, but we can still not see deep personal transformation in our own lives. And I don't know about you, but I desperately want that deep, personal transformation not just in times when there's crisis hit but I want God to transform this crusty heart that pops up all over the place out of me and I want him to transform me in the everyday I want to be more the person that God created me to be and this happens when we lay ourselves open and just say God would you speak what you do what you want to do in me. And it happens through this practice of solitude and silence. So if you are desperate to know God more, if you think there must be more, um, I just encourage you to, to practice this practice. Just start off small and you can build it up. Uh, you know, if you're tired, if you're anxious, if you're fearful, if you're angry, it doesn't matter how you come this morning. You can practice this practice of just sitting in God's presence. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton says this, we are starved for mystery to know this God as one who is totally other and to experience reverence in his presence. We starve for intimacy to feel, sorry, to see and feel and know God in the very cells of our being. We are starved for rest to know God beyond what we can do for him. We're starved for quiet to hear the sound of sheer silence that is the presence of God himself. The invitation to solitude and silence is an invitation to all of this. You know, this morning um, we sang, one of the songs that we sang was Thin Place. And that phrase, you might be thinking, what is that about? But, you know, traditionally that phrase was um, used way back by Celtic Christians. And it talks about a place where you're close to the presence of God, where heaven touches earth, where like the membrane between the two is thin, it's transparent. Uh, It's close where you can feel God's presence with you. And this is what happens in times of silence and solitude. 
you understand that you're known. I mean, one of my favourite psalms is Psalm 139. I'm just going to read the opening bits to you. But, oh, this is why I try and juggle my glasses with my mic over my ears. Okay, let me just read a few verses from Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, and you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, you Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. That's not a claustrophobic kind of containing. That is a protective, sheltering, hemming me in. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hide me, will hold me fast. I'm going to leave it there, but I, I just encourage you to, to go home and read Psalm 139. That is what happens in this secret solitude place. Our souls can breathe. Nothing is hidden from view. You don't have to hold your breath or suck it in, whether we realise it or not. Our deep desire for God and to know him and to be known by him, that kind of comes about in this place of silence and solitude. Okay, and tied in with that, it's a place where we know that we're loved and that we're held. Henri Nguyen um, said this, solitude is a place where we can listen to the voice who calls us the beloved. That is what solitude is. It's being alone with God and hearing a voice there that says, you are my beloved, on you my favour rests. We really have to keep hearing that voice because there's a constant temptation to say we're no good and that we're useless. If people really knew how I feel, they wouldn't like me. Solitude is creating a little space for God in your life where God can speak to you and where in the midst of all the other voices that ask you to do this, to go there and to be involved to death, you can hear that very gentle person saying, I love you. You are safe. I embrace you. You don't have to beg for love. You are mine and I am yours. And it's this place of deep transformation of kind of heart-to-heart stuff. Psalm 46, verse 10, the, the songwriter says, be still, be still. That's solitude and silence. Be still. Let's calm our bodies and our minds and our hearts down and just sit in the presence of God. It's a place of encounter. And, you know, as I was kind of just prepping um, for this morning, I just was reminded of that story in Matthew chapter 5, verses 24 to 29. And it's a story of where Jesus has got loads of people around him. They're all kind of busy. Uh, and he's on his way to go. And uh, there's a, a leader called Jairus, and his daughter is dying. And um, so he comes to her and comes to Jesus and says, my daughter's dying, my daughter's dying. And, you know, the expectation is that Jesus whizzes off and goes to see Jairus' daughter. But actually what happens in the mass of people all around Jesus, uh, a woman um, uh, encounters him. So she's in this crowd and uh, she's a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. That's what we know about her. We know that she spent everything that she had 
Uh, and because uh, of the nature of her illness, she was kind of socially unacceptable at that time. So she was a real outcast. No one would touch her, otherwise they'd get unclean. So she was, she was unacceptable to others. And I imagine if you feel like that, you feel like you're unacceptable to God as well. But in the whole um, melee of things going on, she reaches and just touches the hem of Jesus's cloak. And as she does that, she's completely healed. And he kind of calls her out and says, who touched me? And, you know, not in a kind of shameful way, but a kind of, I know that, I know that someone came with intent to touch, with me, to touch me. They came with intent to be with me. They were desperate for me. And he, he calls her daughter. So there's that moment of intimacy there, um, that moment that you experience in silence and solitude. And, and as we read that story, there's this phrase that just kept... Um, popping out at me and it said she had spent all she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse and I just thought maybe for us that is sometimes what we feel we've spent all we have doing stuff and trying to make this thing right that's in us that's bugging us but instead of getting better it gets worse I think we feel like that sometimes when we get stuck in the same places when our efforts for change fall short. We get discouraged and we wonder if things will ever change. But when this lady, when this woman encounters Jesus, he totally transformed her, not, physic, not just physically, but emotionally, like in every aspect. When she's in his presence, uh, she is totally transformed. And that place of encounter is what happens in place of solitude and silence. Okay, it's God's agenda. When we go into solitude and silence, we stop making demands on God, says Dallas Willard. It's enough that God is God and we are his. We learn we have a soul, that God is here, and that this world is my Father's world. God speaks to us. It's a place where, because we're not speaking... We shut up for a moment. Um, actually, we lay down our agenda and we create space that we can hear God speak to us. M. Basil Pennington, that's such a cool name, isn't it? Uh, I, reckon he, I reckon that person's got to be American. Uh, sorry, if that, I realise that might actually come across as a real slur. Sorry. Let's just suck that back in. Pretend I didn't say that. It's a, fan, it's a fantastic name. If we invite him with, a te our te with attention, he says, opening the inner spaces with silence, he will speak to our souls, not in words or concepts, but in the mysterious way that love expresses itself by presence. You know, if God loves us and he wants the best for us, why would he not want to do this? Why would he not want to be with us? Okay, so they're the wise. How do we begin to do this? How do we begin to work it into a regular rhythm in our lives? And what might that look like for you? So just really quickly, some really practical things. Set aside a place uh, that you can be alone with God and be quiet with him. Um, close the door. Uh, don't take your phone. <laughs> Leave the phone somewhere else. Get into a comfortable position. Breathe deeply just to kind of settle yourself. Uh, for me, um, the, the most frequent place that I go to, I sit up on our bed. If I lie down, I'm likely to fall asleep, so I just sit up. Uh, falling, at, falling asleep, actually, in the presence of God is actually still a really cool thing. 
because if you need rest, God knows you need rest, and so physical stuff is important. But for me, oftentimes, um, I will just sit up on my bed. That's kind of like the place that I set aside, close the door. At times, I might kneel down, I might lie down, but more often than not, my go-to place is that. And then, like, have a kind of just a little simple word of approach that just captures your desire for God in the moment. Maybe you open your hands. It's like a physical gesture of your intent to saying, God, I'm here. You might just say, here I am. That's it. No other words. Here I am. You might say, come, Lord Jesus. You might say, help. You know, whatever it is, that might be your kind of little opener. Um, there's, a, there's an app that I use um, sometimes, um, and it's a daily app. It's called Lectio 365. I don't know if any of you have used it before, but it's kind of like a prayer. It just helps you like a five-minute kind of like prayer thing that you can use in the beginning or the end of the day or, or throughout. And there's this little opening phrase in there every day, and it says, as I enter prayer now, I pause to be still, to breathe slowly, to recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. And I love that phrase because my scattered senses, you know, I'm, th- I'm awake, I'm thinking about, you know, what I've, got, what I've got to do in the morning, I'm thinking about that thing that I'm concerned about, I'm thinking about this person over here, they're scattered all over the place and just for that moment, it recenter back onto God. It's not that those things are not important, it's God knows those things already and I'm going, God, would you take care of those things? You know about them, but now I'm thinking about you. And if distractions come, just note them down. Maybe you just have a little notebook or just put them to the side. And it's like as you're doing that, you're asking God just to take care of them. But it's a, a kind of symbol, if you like, of just letting go. And, you know, you can come back to those things later because we're choosing to come with everything else stripped away. And that might feel a little bit unnerving. You know, if I strip everything away and it's just me and you, God, what is actually left of me? And uh, what are you going to do? And what happens if I feel like nothing happens? What happens if this works for everyone else except me? Like all those things can kind of come up as we kind of p- learn to practice thing, this thing. But I really encourage you kind of just to acknowledge that anxiety if it comes up in you and just allow yourself to be reassured in his presence. Ruth Haley Barton says, it's that this is the point at which we decide that this relationship matters enough and that this person is worth putting our heart on the line for. You know, if any of you have been in a relationship with someone else, there is that moment where you're like, okay, you're you're worth, you're worth me opening up my heart to, um, and I want to get to know you more. Do you know what? I really like being with you. I want to spend time with you. And this is the same kind of moment, if you like, between us and God. Notice what happens in you, you know, as things surface, don't push them down, but see them as invitations to kind of open yourself up to God about those things. He knows us. When it comes to the end of your time, you know, whether you're practicing for five minutes, whether you've extended it to 10 minutes, maybe you're extending it to more, end with being thankful just for God's presence and don't kind of judge the time that you've had. And I'd encourage you just to persevere. Uh, Richard Raw says this, that in silence, all of our usual patterns assault us. That's why most people give up rather quickly. 
when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, the first things to show up were the wild beasts, the stuff that go, rah, the stuff that makes you frightened and scared and whatever, but persevere, okay? And over time, just notice what works for you. You know, the best time, the best place to do this. Maybe for you, it might be outside in nature. It might be on a walk or a run. Um, just notice what works best for you. Okay. I'm going to finish there. I'm just going to read for you, kind of a, as a prayer, um, a poem. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to have a little time of quiet. Okay? Um, I know maybe these are not the most comfortable seats and you've got other people around you so this is not really silence and solitude because all you lot are here right um, but it's still we're going to do just a little little bit of time of quiet and then we'll pray for each other but let me just uh, pray this poem to you as a prayer now oh god gather me now to be with you as you are with me soothe my tiredness quiet my fretfulness Curb my aimlessness. Relieve my compulsiveness. Let me be easy for a moment. O oh Lord, release me from the fears and guilts which grip me so tightly, from the expectations and opinions which I so tightly grip, that I may be open to receiving what you give, to risking something genuinely new, to learning something refreshingly different. Oh God, gather me to be with you as you are with me.